welcome to That's a Chunky. This is Kevin here with a uh, key member of the Jump Junkies, James. Um, <laughs> how you doing, James? Doing great. Uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, Brian from work is recording this for us, so uh, <laughs> thankful for that. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. I was definitely going to do that at the end, but I, I'm still going to do it. I'm just going <laughs> to okay. try to, you know, okay, right home. Yeah. Um, so uh, just so people know, this is sort of, it'll be just me and James tonight. Uh, Jared is incredibly busy with work. We all actually have day jobs um, that we do to varying degrees of success. I think we're all actually pretty good at our day jobs. Um, so Jared is deep in the throes of, of some real work. So as much as we miss him, we're trying not to distract him. Um, but obviously we've got a lot of feedback, positive feedback um, from people enjoying um, our interviews with cast members from the show. Um, and we just want people to know we have a ton of interviews lined up uh, that we're really excited to do. Um, but we can't conduct them right now due to the um, strike in LA, um, the Screen, Screen Actors Guild um, strike, which uh, in my day job, I'm a very proud union member. Um, so we really want to support that. Um, and we just want to remind people that um, as much as like we tend to, f actually, I won't really say we, but most of the country fixates on actors that the strike won't affect to a huge level. Um, I think You Should Leave has a ton of um, actors that we know through our interactions with them are not millionaires or multimillionaires. I think uh, a lot of them live lives a lot like we do with roommates and day jobs um, and constant auditions. So um, I think what what is happening um, right now in the strike really affects these actors that have really brought a lot of joy to the lives of the I Think You Should Leave community, uh, of which we're all members. Um, so just think about them. If you're somebody who um, is wealthy for any reason, um, I think there are ways to donate. Um, and if you can't find um, those ways, um, you can reach out to us and we'll help you with that. But I know, I think usually when people hear that actors are striking, they think in their head, like, you know, it sounds laughable on some level where you picture like Tom Cruise with a picket sign. Right. Um, but it's really about these actors um, and even some that are really successful and famous who are not wealthy uh, on any level. So, um, yeah, go ahead, James. Yeah, no, I just uh, 100% would like to echo what you're saying. And, you know, I mean, these are like, like you said, the people we've interviewed and so many other people out there are just, you know, they're working this, it's a, a day job and they're not like, you know, mega stars. They're just going from role to role and, and, you know, it's, uh, we totally support them, you know, being treated uh, equitably and paid fairly and, you know, um, being able to make a living from their chosen, um, you know, career and profession and um you know it's it's like something that i think uh 
as very, very peripherally related to, as people who are very peripherally related to the entertainment industry through this podcast about one specific show, we get to see a very small sliver of that. But, you know, it's like every single movie, TV show that people are fans of is affected by this. And, uh, you know, these people are rightly trying to stand up for their own livelihood. Um, and it's important. Yeah, and, and just to clear things up, because I, I don't think it was always um, totally obvious to me when I was reaching out to some of these people, um, as part of the strike, um, members of the Screen Actors Guild are not doing press about um, their acting performances. So um, obviously, is, when I got into this to do a little silly podcast about, um, I think you should leave, I never thought, I would never put sort of those those uh, things together. Um, but yeah, I, I had agreed we had agreed to interviews with a couple people who either they or their management reached out to us and said, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be on, but it's going to um, have to be that uh, after the strike. And so um, just wanted to let you guys know, if you were wondering, um, we do, I think we have one lined up with some um, sort of people who work behind the scenes in the show who are not members of the Screen Actors Guild. Um, but you might just, sort of be back with James and Jared and I for a little while. Um, so uh, you at least download the episodes. You don't have to listen to them. Um, I'm just joking. One last note on that is um, I didn't see much detail around this, but I did uh, see a photo floating around of Tim Robinson out with a picket sign on the picket uh, line. So, of course. Um, you know, obviously, uh, if there's a cause that he is supporting, it's a good one. So... Um, if if you weren't already convinced to be behind um, them on this strike, then there's a good another good reason. Yeah. Um, and and James, I, I was lucky to have James remind me of this. Uh, I I think maybe the most I felt like a cog in the wheel of a romantic comedy was uh, I, I received an email at one point um, from the I think then fiance of one of our listeners. Um, Sharomi, who had said that um, her partner, Charlie, was a huge fan of the show. And to be totally honest, I was like, wow, someone is a huge fan of the show. Um, so Charlie came on. It was a great guest. Um, and he made it work uh, in spite of our time differences with him in England and um, myself in Massachusetts. Um, but Charlie and Sharomi got married. So we wanted to send a congratulations out to them. Uh, and, J yeah, and James, who's, who's on Twitter X, can tell us how he <laughs> how he announced it. Yeah, Charlie uh, said to uh, let his wife eat the fucking receipt. Um, so you know, now that they're married, we can uh, he can officially say that. So congratulations. Um, that's always exciting. Yeah. So it, I definitely uh, it was one of those times where I received an email that like the warmth was just sort of emanating off it, and it made me just sort of feel happy that there's people out in the world who, you know, I, I'm lucky to have a partner who, who is incredible and treats me great all the time. So to like see it play in, in, in another scenario, it just um, made me feel good. Yeah. Um, I, I just had one quick thing. I was doing a lot of detective work online today. Um, Tim Robinson, who we love from, I think you should leave. And also Detroiters, uh, Chrissy Kramblin works for Chrysler. Yeah, I believe that's um, right. And they do the ad campaign for Chrysler. Um, Tim Robinson's real life wife, I believe, is an electrical engineer at Chrysler. 
Oh. Did you already know that? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. That's uh, that's that's great. So my understanding, and I I hope I'm not ruining Tim's day, but I think she's a very <laughs> pr- private person and who like mm. sort of does not um get her stuff out there. So to be honest with you, I think I've read Tim's Wikipedia page like off and on multiple times. And I, I don't think this was there. And I think that's where I read this recently. So um, okay. I think as Tim becomes more and more famous, more information is getting out there. Yeah, um, but the real reason I figured this out was um, we are talking about um, the sketch street sets today with Fred Armisen. Um, and, you know, basically the impetus is that he has to, film this fake fight scene where he beats up a child because his own children have been disrespectful to him right um so the first question that popped in my head was does tim robinson have any kids right Um, of course and he has two um (laughs) and james as you know i'm a father of two children uh my children are amazing they're like very precocious they're very cute uh they're very happy um but sometimes there is palpable disrespect (laughs) (laughs) um and whereas like uh i have enough sort of outlets in my life where i know like i'm gen i get enough respect in hobbies i do in my profession that i it doesn't really kill me but if but if you know you're kind of fragile and your kids are just totally disrespecting you sometimes yeah. you got to shoot a little 15k video right yeah it happens to everybody i think it's like a pretty common <laughs> thing in in parenting um you know it's very relatable no i think I, yeah one of the first things i thought of this uh, about this was you know i think it's been mentioned in, in multiple like interviews and stuff with Tim that his his like family and his kids and specifically their like turns of phrase are things that will make their way directly into the show um but this was a sketch where yeah I was wondering if somehow some aspect of this was inspired by his own life either like like joking about ways to you know regain the respect of his kids or look like you know obviously like I think you could even see maybe I don't know how old his his kids are, but if they like see him on TV and kind of think that his persona is something to laugh about instead of something you know impressive, I could see the sort of uh, echoes of that in this sketch. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's funny too. I I, I really love the touch that um, like when you're a parent with high expectations for yourself as a parent. Um, the level of disrespect to an outsider can seem very minor. And like the thing he's so angry about is that um, they danced in the kitchen when his <laughs> stuff was on the island. And it's like yeah. the stuff that I get maddest about in my house is like, you know, like how many times do I have to pick up these shoes? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. they just forgot. It's not a, it's not even disrespectful, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, I like the, it, uh, one of the things about that, I guess we're kind of just jumping into it, but I, the the yes. fact that they're like uh, they were dancing while he was trying to organize things on the marble countertop is like, I think that I think that that is only mentioned by the two kids, 
the mar- organizing on the marble countertop. And that, on one hand, is funny that that's something that he would have gotten upset about. But on the other hand, it also feels like the kind of thing where uh, it also could be funny that the kids think that that's like the reason that like he was so focused about the countertop organizing, but really like, you know, they're honing in on one particular thing when, you know, as a parent, I'm sure it's not like just that one thing. It's like a culmination of other things anyway. Um, but it's also very funny to think that, yeah, it was like imagining these kids dancing while he's, you know, trying to organize the countertop and, <laughs> <laughs> and blowing up or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I also uh, just had a thought as we start to, I guess, maybe get into the sketch a little more linear, um, that if you think about, um, if you tried to make like a Mount Rushmore of sketch comedy, maybe the last 20 years, you know, obviously if you just leave it wide open, it's really tricky to do, but um, like Fred Armisen is a name you really have to talk about. Um, He did a lot of great work on Saturday Night Live, of course. Um, I think he did his best work on Portlandia, in my opinion. Show is really funny um, in a very unique way. And I really thought it was... um, I was really just always impressed by how the show embedded sketch comedy into a show with a plot, right? So mm-hmm. it was sort of like embedded within the episode, um, which I think has sort of lived on in like Detroiters. Yeah. Detroiters, the sketches totally. are a little more, they're a little less evident within the show. Like it's a naturally flowing show a little more than Portlandia, um, but they have that connection. And now, you know, to do the sketch, uh, on I think you should leave is kind of like a cherry on top. Yeah. And uh, he's also, um, aside from, you know, being the, like, creative force or one of the creative forces behind Portlandia, also has just made a ton of notable and very funny guest appearances in a lot of other shows. I guess mostly things from fellow SNL alumni, but like, mm-hmm. You know, there's a very well, uh, well-known well scene of his in Parks and Recreation, the like oh, yeah. jail. Um, <laughs> he had a very funny appearance in uh, the final season of Barry, which I won't spoil by oh. um, saying what it was, but it was a very, like, very short but very uh, memorable scene. Um, he also has an episode of that um, documentary now show that um, yeah. Tim has the bowling episode of, um, and Fred Armisen is also has a, an episode of that, which is very funny. So yeah, I mean, I think like you said, uh, and a lot of those appearances that he's in are effectively like standalone sketches within those shows, um, and I think that sort of shows his masterful um, talents as as a comedian and specifically a sketch comedian yeah i'm also looking he's done stuff uh for like what looks like a newer season of the kids in the hall uh robot chicken Mm. um so yeah he's just sort of like a sketch comedy master um yeah and in even though i feel like um maybe this isn't the first sketch people think about from season three i think it's really solid and i think his performance is really funny um, you know, he sort of has like a, 
his normal dad speech in the in the sketch but also his sort of like aggressive like <laughs> fighting words speech um from when he's in the street scenes you know yeah. like yeah i'm a stranger you don't talk to me like that <laughs> um, which is funny yeah uh, I, I thought it would look fucking i thought it would look fucking real god damn it yeah. yeah um yeah the uh the he had uh i forget the full ex- exclamation but like i've spent 15k on this um I think. Uh, yeah. yeah um and and yeah the, ske- the sketch is relatively short um i did also want to point out that there's an element in i think you should leave that I just sort of realized with this sketch um, that I don't think I've seen often on, on sketch comedy shows, which is sort of like people in the sketch are watching a TV. Mm, Um, And that's like the in memoriam part from baby of the year, um, the Bozo sketch tables, Claire's um, (laughs) and they sort of have the VR with supermarket sweep. Um, in yeah. the video, you know, obviously the computer with nude egg. Um, yeah. so it's not, I think yeah. generally if you read that in a script 10 years ago, you'd be like, I don't want to watch someone watching TV. Right. Um, but it really works in, in all the instances they do it in. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but that is, that is funny. And it's like, a, I guess like a way of doing, uh, like, uh, like a, sketch within a sketch almost and also probably relates to sort of the meta humor of watching comedy or just videos in general with people and like their reactions to it which is a very kind of you know modern uh modern thing and also you know it's i think we've all been like watching a video with people where like someone is presenting something that they think is going to be good or funny and then the reactions aren't that way and like you know that's a through line in several of those sketches that you mentioned um, yeah and, and, and all I, of them. yeah and as you just said like you know obviously we've talked about how the the whole show is about people doing things that they keep <laughs> doubling down and it's about how people are reacting yeah to the that person so for someone for us to be viewing the viewers kind of makes sense yeah on some level totally. Um, did want to point out real quick, another Fred Armisen thing is, um, Alice Mathias, I think directed most or, uh, or all of Portlandia and she has come on and done, um, a good deal of the directing of, I think you should leave as well. So that's, nice. yeah, we should have had him higher in the draft. Cause that's a big, <laughs> right there. yeah, um, yeah, that was a, that was a whiff. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big whiff. We'll be better. For before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess just while we're briefly talking generally about the sketch, um, just a reminder that, uh, in our last interview with Kiff about the sidewalk, um, (laughs) parking sketch, he mentioned, I believe that the place that they filmed this sketch was the inside of the house of the house that was used in the, uh, his sketch. So, um. Is that, am I remembering that? Yeah, right? that, that is what yeah. he said. Just super resourceful yep. um, by the I think you should leave team. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and I think um, I think that this is from what I've gathered reading and looking and like hearing reactions to the sketch 
it seems like it's one of the less well-received sketches from fans, but I think mm. it's also, it falls into that category of, like you mentioned, it's very, relatively quick. Um, and the concept is basically like uh, a single concept without like an extended like twist or turn or, you know, uh, m- change in the middle of it. And so it's kind of in the same realm as like, um the new joe the organist motorcycles like sketches like that where it's kind of you're presented with the whole thing pretty quickly and then it's in and out and i think those are the kind of sketches where uh like i think the the humor of it maybe doesn't last as much right away for some people because it's you kind of like get it and it moves on so quickly and and it's sandwiched between uh i think the zip line sketch and the driving crooner sketch which also sort of <laughs> yeah uh is a tough tough uh crowd to be um lumped in with but i think it's great and you know fred armson and and both of the kids do a great job um in it and the, their sort of interplay is very funny um, um yeah. got something you want to say I'm sorry, mister. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love how uh, how it's really hammering home that the kid is uh, reformed after being beaten up. Um, also, just uh, the entire concept of the stunt double for the kid being this, like, old dude in a very obvious wig who's, like, completely different size from the kid and even is going so far as to, like audibly be giving him instructions for how to beat him up, like stomp my foot and thrash me around. Uh, it's also very funny. And and the fact that, you know, he's a pretty old guy and he's trying to get into the jump junkies, like stunt crew or whatever, also is, is very funny. Well, I spent way too much time thinking about this. And the, <laughs> I think the the ultimate joke... So I believe the stunt coordinator for the sketch was Nito Larioza, who we had on to talk about Coffin Flop and was one of the most amazing interviews. He had been in like a boy band as a child. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think the real humor of this is the stunts actually look good. I watched them multiple times. <laughs> they look really good. Um, yeah. The only issue is that they constantly film the stunt person's face. Like, in (laughs) theory, you could do all of these shots from behind. Um, And even though the wig is bad, like, it might be passable um, if you cut it in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, they have, like, a huge close-up on his face. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, like, 60 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. We got to try to get that guy on. Yeah, that would be um, I'm Great. guessing that might be Josh uh, um, Squire. Yeah, I also, I um, it also is like pretty funny how, uh, um, I think it's also funny how 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 very quickly it's obviously a stunt double, and how very quickly Fred Armisen <laughs> just like just like gets rid of the entire pretense of it being real and just like starts complaining about it to his kids. Um, like no (laughs) no attempt at doubling down on it uh, it's just hitting me right now too he should have watched it before he should right yeah yeah. (laughs) right i like that he basically is just immediately like 
like i think this is gonna change your mind about me kids um yeah who's filming this <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 the kid even asks like who were you gonna say filmed this like the kid is immediately realizing that this is like such a bogus and terrible idea but he i like that he did have the uh the plan for how to how to deal with it too um brian from work yeah so i live in massachusetts um it immediately hit me in the um paper towel sketch that it was the ugly house on kenmore kenmore is <laughs> a famous street in boston hmm. and then this is brian cambridge obviously cambridge oh. uh so i got to thinking and i had to do uh kevin i think you should leave detective that's a new thing <laughs> i'm saying i do it's a new All segment right. Love it. Um, uh, Zach Kanan. Mm. Uh, he's born in D.C., but he was raised in in Newton, Massachusetts, ah. much like uh, John Krasinski and B.J. Howard uh, oh. from The Office. It's like a little powerhouse of media. Um, yeah. He went to the prestigious Roxbury Latin School, which was Ooh. actually in the league I I played in. Um, very fancy looking school. Um. And he went to nice. Harvard um, and became president of the Harvard Lampoon. That's um, right. No major shock because uh, he's a genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's our Boston connection there. That um, makes sense. I totally see it. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe there's a couple of other even uh, Boston yeah. references in the show. Yeah. Now that our ears are perked up for that, if we're rewatching sketches, I'm sure more stuff will show up. Yeah, I definitely when the when the Kenmore thing happened, I mean, I I had already known. I think I had known pretty quickly that uh, Tim was from Detroit. Um, mm -hmm. So I just thought it was some random pick, but now I don't yeah. think so. I like it. I like it. Um, I think um, that's most of what I have about uh, street sets. Um, this part looks like yeah. shit. Uh, <laughs> um, let me see. Wait. I think um, uh, yeah. I think if I remember right, was there a listener mail about? the concept of things looking fake or looking not looking real at one oh. point. Um, and because I was thinking, you know, obviously that's like a whole uh, theme of this sketch. And then immediately next is the driving crooner. And he's like, they're trying to make it look fake. Um, and I guess I think, uh, I forget what other sketches were kind of brought up, but you know, there's yeah, kind of like the the I, I limo, fake, the fake watch, like yeah, okay. Let's read the brilliant email from Adam Eskendal. Uh, hey, y'all, love the interview with Steve Moulton. Now desperate to see an extended version with this monologue. It also got me to thinking about the difference between Tim throwing fake water at people as a marker of his fake beef yeah. with the other dude. That then that becomes a real beef as he gets shushed, so he starts more aggressively throwing fake water, but he's less in trouble than Steve because Steve threw real water on him and also pulled on his hair plugs, which are fake hair. Wow, this is a, yeah. already starting to be a great essay. Yeah, uh, these this idea of what's real and fake is a running theme. The virtual reality world is fake, 
But oh, yeah. Tim is told he's really in there, so he doesn't know how to make his fake body breathe. <laughs> By the way, I did uh, watching the bear. So um, oh, nice. people are trying to make the driving crooner look fake because it only looks real from the exact right perspective. You can't tell Randall he's creative and interesting because if you do, he will fake seeing volcanoes and tiny pips. But is he even faking? Right. Fred Armisen thought the video of him beating the shit out of a small child would look real, <laughs> but it actually looks fake. TK Jewelers is a scam. The stuff they sell is fake. Patty has to get revenge against the cardboard cutout fake version of the boss. Mm-hmm. This is really a great email. Yeah. Yeah, which it's that's an interesting theme because it doesn't feel like that's as obvious of a there's an obvious as obvious of a reason for that theme to come into play as some of the other ones but uh i like that how how consistent and and like uh ever present it kind of seems to be um yeah so i'll have to i think that's something worth like thinking about a little bit more as as re-watching these sketches to see if there's sort of like a grand unifying theme uh for season three that that relates to it because uh yeah it's interesting i mean how about this summer loving like his love is not real yeah fake that might be a stretch uh darmine doggy door the monster yeah not real that's real that's gonna kill me yep um Let's see. I'm just looking. Yeah, uh, you know, in the barley tonight, he's kind of like faking reasons to look at his phone. You know, his his mom is tied up by uh, by robbers or whatever. Um, yeah, I feel like there's. I guess there's sort of an element of a lot of. I think you should leave in general is about like trying to deceive people or like, uh, you know trying to make something pass off something fake as real and then uh not being able to deal with the consequences but there's more layers to that i think in this season because you know you get people uh kind of stressing out about whether something will be pulled off as as fake or real yeah the the friendship and friend group yeah Maybe not some real friends. Yeah, I mean, I think the examples he gave were like the best examples, but yeah, you can definitely see that theme in some other sketches. Yeah, I like it. A lot of hate for fraternities, as we've been saying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I felt like there was one other thing, but um, anyway, we wanted to hit you guys with a quick episode tonight um, about the sketch. We figured we probably weren't going to get Fred Armitson. Um, on the show, um, so we just called to have us talk about it. Um, but yeah, we should be back soon. Um, James, any final words before we go? Um, no, I think, um, you know, great sketch. Obviously, if any uh listeners have further thoughts about it or the general idea of things looking real and fake, we'd love to um hear that. Th- feedback uh for sure yeah figure out uh what you do at gmail.com wait james were you recording this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i told you i'd get it back in (laughs) yep perfect yep me and me and brian from work (laughs) all right signing off that's a chunky that's a chunky has always been supported by 
the Etsy shop of Swayzine, S-W-A-Y-Z-I-N-E. Uh, in the past, you've seen his amazing motivational posters, his um, At the Nighthawks Diner featuring characters from I Think You Should Leave. Uh, you also know his vintage jazz posters of Paul Bufano, Marcus the Worm Hicks, and Mookie Kramer. Um, Swayzine has a ton of new items in his shop we wanted to let you guys know about. Um, those three jazz posters have been turned into uh, attractive t-shirts. The Marcus Hicks in blue, the Mookie Kramer in green, Paul Bufano in white. He has a uh, very affordable uh, Bozo the Clown clown pewter sticker that you can put on your computer. Um, there is a Baby of the Year bib and onesie. Uh, he has Angels and Archways t-shirts, um, as well as uh, two new posters, one featuring Dangerous Nights, um, which is being framed and put on my wall, and an amazing portrait of uh, Brian from the uh, hat sketch, the insider trading sketch. Um, but the whole point of me re-recording this ad was to tell you about maybe the most innovative, I think you should leave product I've seen in my time doing this podcast, which is actual Dan Flash's shirts. So this isn't like a t-shirt that says Dan Flash on the front. This is a short or a short sleeve polo or a long sleeve uh, collared shirt that has the pattern Tim Robinson is wearing in the Dan Flash's sketch, uh, affordably placed at $30. I know when I went um, to the Dan Flash's stores at the Creeks, I spent $800 out, out the door and um, didn't eat for a long time, uh, saving my per diem. Um, but if you go to etsy.com slash shop slash Swayzine. Again, Swayzine is S-W-A-Y-Z-I-N-E. Um, you can own these shirts yourself. Um, and we want to thank uh, Reggie from Swayzine for his support of That's a Chunky. Mm -hmm.